It's time for the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Michael is a speaker, author of two best-selling books, and the president of three financial companies. He's also a frequent guest on national media outlets such as CNBC, Fox Business, and Bloomberg. His passion is to help you live well in retirement. This is the Wealth and Health Show. Welcome in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined today with some pretty spectacular guests. I'm really excited to do this show. I think you're going to learn a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun as well. And if you haven't joined us before, typically the guests on our show, you'll notice, are our regular guests that really do extraordinary things. High-level performers, entrepreneurs, those who have mastered their craft, really different C-level execs, leaders in the coaching field, as well as doctors and holistic experts from around the world. So today we're joined with Dr. Tom and Dr. Todd Mullins, just so happens to be a father-son duo. <laughs> and they are the founding and current lead pastors for Christ Fellowship, as well as Dr. Tom is the head of Equip, a group for John Maxwell. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to welcome you into the show, Dr. Tom. Hey, it's great to be with you, Michael. We're excited about being here today. And Todd? Really, it's a great opportunity to be together to talk about life and success. Absolutely. And we're going to keep it simple, folks. As you're listening to the show, Dr. Tom is typically called coach, <laughs> right? So we go right, right. That comes from that, you know, being a football coach for 15 years on a collegiate level, it mm. kind of... You get that label and it stays with you, and old coaches actually like that label. Absolutely, and we're just going to go with Todd for Todd because it's simple. It's easy. Everybody like can it. remember it. I can, re I can remember who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So let's talk a little bit about why we decided to have them here. You know, obviously they're pastors of churches and founders of churches and that sort of thing, but, you know, church can be a lot of things to a lot of different people or different things to different people, and, and one of the things that's really interesting about Christ Fellowship is their story. You know, I love the quote from John Maxwell. It says, it takes a long time to become an overnight success, and that's a little bit of what you've seen. Now, obviously, in the coaching field has driven a lot, and a lot of the principles you've learned there has driven a lot of what you do today as, obviously, the foundation, biblically, et cetera, as well. But folks, if you're not familiar with the church, one of the places you can go is gochristfellowship.com. They are the ninth largest church in America, and they have roughly anywhere between 50 to 60,000 viewers, attendees, people plug in each and every week for the message that the church shares. What's really interesting is they have a reach of over 135 nations in the world currently. So this is not just your regular, you know, smaller one to 200 person church. This is a large, I don't want to call it a machine, but it really is reaching a lot of people in many ways and changing lives. And so let's talk a little bit about how, Coach, you decided to kind of enter into the realm. I know you got a neat story that we're in coaching. Tell us a little bit about that, how you decided to jump into being a founding member of Christ Fellowship, but even before then, some of the principles you learned as a coach. What did that look like for you? Well, you know, I grew up playing football in, in uh, high school, college level, and then fell in love with coaching and, and then found early success in it and then got into that training. And coaching really prepared me for where I am today and for actually the foundation of what we've done at Christ Fellowship. I wrote a book called The Leadership Game. And in that book, I really just basically say that I think at all levels, whether we're in business or whether we're leading a great church or whether we're in athletics, we need to lead like a coach. I remember A.L. Williams said one time that nobody wants a boss. Hmm. Everybody wants a coach. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've approached that from a coaching perspective and also the understanding of how to prepare for transitions and change and how to build your teams and motivate your teams has been at the foundation of, I think, of the things we've been able to accomplish at Christ Fellowship. And when you think about it, the reason everybody wants a coach is because a coach sees more in you than you see in yourself. Mm -hmm. A coach mm -hmm. helps you reach goals that you never think you can physically 
mm-hmm. possibly reach. And mm. so, uh, Dad, you just applied that to life beyond the game. You've applied it to life. You've applied it to spiritual pursuit, mm. that God has more for you and reaching those potentials in your life. Well, you know, Michael, we all know this. It's a secret to business. It's the team you're able to build around you. And keeping that team focused, motivated, and the morale high on that team, and they have definable wins that you can celebrate with that team, all those build a healthy, strong team. And you know, as the team goes, so goes your business efforts or what you're doing in your, whatever it may be, your field of endeavor. Absolutely. And so we have found that to be such a key that we've done. And so we've carried those principles over and we found they work in every field Mm. of endeavor when you lead like a coach. Mm. Isn't that neat? You know, and one of the things that I thought was interesting is you're also in a situation where you are the leader of Equip. Tell us, tell listeners a little bit about what that is. I know it's a division of John Maxwell Group. What does that look like? What do you do there? Because obviously that's essentially coaching, right? It actually is. Dr. Maxwell, as you know, uh, recently by Inc. Magazine was ranked the number one source that people go to for leadership, direction, training, and motivation. He's written over 97 books Mm. on leadership globally. (laughs) Wow. Wherever you go in the world, they seem to identify with Dr. John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. Well, we're fortunate that Dr. John came into our life many years ago and has served as a coach really for Todd and I as well, and coached us also through this time of transition that we're going to talk about a little later in our organization. But he founded an organization called Equip, which was a nonprofit organization to help train leaders globally around the world. We've now trained in over 190 nations, over 6 million Mm. leaders. We've been able to resource them. And the training program is really, it is quite an extensive program. It's a three-year developmental program for these leaders. And our goal was to help them be agents of transformation within their world, their companies, their businesses, their home families, their churches, their nations. So it's comprehensive really is what it is. And, And folks, by the way, if you're just joining us in the show, You're not going to want to miss a little bit later on. You're going to stick with us. We're going to talk about how to prime that team for transition. One of the reasons that we thought was interesting to have both Coach and also Todd together, obviously father-son, is they have successfully completed one of the smoothest transitions of leadership in a significant role and a significant, we'll call it organization, even though I hate to call a church a business. It's really not, but to some degrees, it needs to be run professionally as well. And they were able to effectively and efficiently transition that leadership role. We're going to talk about that later. You're not going to want to miss it. At any point in time, if you want to join the conversation, if you're in a leading position, you want to join us, send us a tweet to at lean on the wall, join in and, and share your thoughts. But help us understand a little bit when you decided to write the book. Now, obviously, Todd, you've been in a situation now where you've been leading the church for several years, and it's kind of been after the fact that you've taken the reins. And, and now, Coach, you then decided to write this book. Did you decide you wanted to write the book before this transition happened to Todd, or was it during, or how did this kind of come out? Well, actually, the book came as a result of the successful transition, and Mm -hmm. actually, Dr. Maxwell challenged me to write the book because he said the transition has gone so well, so smooth, you need to share the principles that guided you through this transition to help others. Just in our world, there are estimated by the Leadership Network over 60,000 transition is going to take place among Mm. church leaders in America over the next three years. And that is a pretty significant thing. And then you think about all the transitions that are happening in business almost weekly and in major corporations that are just going through transitions. I've been studying those and 
We've talked, we have a good friend, Ed Bastian, who's the mm. president of Delta Airlines. And back when Delta Airlines went through their major transition from bankruptcy to now the number one airlines in the world, and they just gave their employees a $1.3 billion bonus on February yeah. 14th. Okay, now, I like being a Why part not of $2 billion? I'm ready to yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Jeez. yeah, Delta's ready when you are. Here we yeah. go. But, you know, it's interesting the things when you study the principles of transition, they are pretty uh, timeless, and they mm -hmm. go across mm -hmm. all levels of organizations. The principles are there. And so we applied those, and we worked those, and we prepared very well for those. And I think that's what led to our success, because in our organization, Michael, when we made the transition, actually we saw exponential growth mm -hmm. in our organization. So that is really the sign. And then I learned as a leader that really, I think, one of the greatest legacies of your leadership is how well did you transition? Mm -hmm. Well, and you mentioned in your book, the true measure of success for a leader is measured by succession. And Todd, whenever he was in the process of writing that book, was that something where you felt, you know, there was a lot of, you know, insight or learning curve from you that you were able to share in addition to help that process? Obviously, because you were right there in the front lines as well. Yeah, I had actually uh, had the privilege of serving with my dad on staff at the church for 20 four years before the transition actually took place. Mm -hmm. And so I was a part of the journey way before we even talked about this transition, before dad ever wanted to transition. But I think the great thing is that we started talking about it before we needed to do it. Mm -hmm. We spent five years discussing what transition would look like down the road before we even began the, the co-pastoring season of the transition. So we really spent time in that. I think there wasn't a fear of transitioning for my dad. He knew that success lied in succession. Hmm. And plus, just if you think about it for a moment, leadership is all about transitioning. Mm -hmm. In any level of leadership, leaders see the change that needs to happen. Leaders prepare themselves for that change. They prepare the people that they're leading for change. They're looking down the road, constantly going, you know, how do I help people take their next step so that the organization that I'm leading can constantly grow? Mm -hmm. So it's not just transitioning in the senior level leadership role, because there might be many people listening today that that's, they're not in that role, but mm -hmm. everybody listening today is a leader. That's right. And so as a leader, a leader's constantly mentoring the people below them, constantly motivating and modeling what needs to happen, giving their job away so that they can take on the next mountain, take on mm -hmm. the next hill that needs to happen. And I always think that great leaders don't try to hold on to power, but they work continually to give it away. Mm. They're constantly giving away what they're doing mm -hmm. so they can do the next thing and move their organization farther along. And I think that kind of comes into the confidence in the leader, doesn't it? Because, you know, if, if somebody's in a situation where they don't have a... I remember when I was in college, I sold books door to door, and that was quite a, a learning ground. What was interesting is, is I had the opportunity when doing that to start listening to Zig Ziglar. You know, mm. obviously, and that became my go-to when I was in the car. You know, I either prayed or I listened to Zig Ziglar. Yeah. <laughs> it was one or the other. But right. it's the idea of confidence and how you see yourself. And I think, would you agree, Ty, that's a great point, because I think, would you agree that if you don't have the confidence that you should have, then number one, it's your responsibility to build that confidence, right? right. And number two, if you have the correct confidence, you're going to be able to transition that authority because you realize that it's about not just you, but the organization. Yeah. If you're insecure, you're going to hold on to authority. You're going to hold on to power. You're going to hold on to decision-making. You're not going to give it away. But great leaders leave room for other leaders to lead. Hmm. 
That's a uh, great point. Great leaders. And dad, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting in the room, but you are a great leader because you were constantly looking for ways to give leadership away instead of holding on to leadership. And that actually prepared myself and the other leaders on the team to step into leadership. We had our legs underneath us by the time leadership was given to us because you had been giving leadership away. You'd been making room. You didn't use up all the leadership oxygen. Yeah. You know, I think that also came from my background in coaching because Mm -hmm. when I had to make the transition being a player on the field to the coach on the sideline, you understand that dynamic. And then it gets back to where I think effective leaders are building an empowerment culture And culture is what drives your organization. Mm. And I heard John Maxwell recently say that culture eats vision for lunch, (laughs) Uh, which means, you know, we can have great vision for our organizations, but really what drives your organization is the culture you develop. And I think we've tried to create a culture, Todd, that was always empowering people and celebrating transitions. Mm. You know, you got to celebrate. You know, it's like, you know, what gets celebrated, you know, gets uh, gets done, they say. But we do a lot of celebrating of transitions and people who do transition well and preparing ourselves for that. And I think uh, another old coaching, you know, slogan we would have is preparation is the key to victory. Mm. And I think that's what helped our transition be so successful. We were meticulous in our preparation. And where a lot have where a lot of transitions have failed, it's because they have failed to prepare properly for transition. That's a great point. I, you know, again, I love the quote from Zig. It says, "Unspectacular preparation precedes spectacular performance." Right. So it's the idea that you know most of what you see on the screen, folks, or when you're looking at someone that's successful, you're seeing the tip of the iceberg. You're not seeing the bulk of the work down underneath. But Coach mentioned something that we're going to touch on next segment. It's the idea of some examples of failed transitions because there's a lot of them out there. You know, a lot of companies are in a situation where you may be a business owner, you may own a huge company, maybe it's smaller, not sure what your situation is. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of failed transitions. These guys have done it well and they've done it seamlessly. So we're going to talk about why some of these transitions in the past that have failed, why they did fail. You're not going to want to miss it. So stick around right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Well, welcome back in, folks, to The Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined today with Dr. Tom, call him Coach, and Dr. Todd Mollins, call him Todd, because it's real simple and easy. But these guys are the founding pastor and leader of Christ Fellowship, over seven campuses, a reach of over just a tremendous reach, over 135 nations, 50 to 60,000 weekly that are that are tuning in to hear the positive, encouraging message of the truth. 
And I got to be a little biased. I actually attend the campus in Florida when I'm down here at down south. So I've had the opportunity to really see a lot of the inside track of, of some of the things that are going on. And what's really interesting to me is you see, we talked a little bit last segment as far as coaching and leading people, leading teams and all these sorts of things. But it's the idea of celebration. And Coach talked about that, celebrating successes. And they, we see a lot of that. And it's just amazing to me. But this segment, we wanted to talk about a little bit of failed transitions because they're out there. You know, unfortunately, the old adage that, you know, a business traditionally doesn't make it to the second sometimes, and then for sure, a lot of times the third generation. Why is that the case? And what makes that happen, coach? What have you seen there? Well, you know, there's a lot of issues behind that. I've done a little bit of study, especially in our world and our realm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes down to the fact that, as I said in the earlier segment, there's been no real planning or preparation for what transition looks like. And especially if it's crisis-driven transition. Mm. And we've had, I've studied several organizations when the founder or the leader tragically died in an accident. What happened? Mm. Or there was a moral failure of the leader and that became public and suddenly all the credibility and trust was eroded mm. and there had to be immediate change in the organization. And they weren't prepared for that. They really didn't have that plan in place for transition. And I think that's been one of the leading causes to that. When you have failed to prepare, you've just positioned yourself for failure, as we all know. Mm. And there's also been a lot of things about some guys have just stayed on too long. They've mm. carried that baton way past their mark. And as you know, in track and field, in the relay races, and I love those because I actually used to run those when I was in high school. And you yeah. won every one, right? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I built like a runner. Yeah. yeah I'm not built like a runner. I was running yeah, yeah. back. Yeah. In college, I was too slow to do that. So they put me in the field events. But I love the precision of that. Mm. Uh, and you have a you have an exchange zone mm -hmm. uh, that you have to enter full speed, make that pass that baton, and then let the next runner run. Mm -hmm. And I think that guys have just held on too long. They've run through the exchange zone, and they've missed that timing of the organization. And what happens is then they will ride it past its peak of the wave. It's like a surfer mm -hmm. that, that paddles and catches the peak of the wave but doesn't stand up on the board and begin to surf that wave properly. And I think that's what's happened to a lot of organizations. We've held way too long onto them. And I that's think sometimes the it's dangers. out of fear because they mm -hmm. don't know what they're going to, what's next. They've so identified with the organization they've built or their exactly. position in the organization or, for our instance, the church, mm -hmm. and they don't know what's next. And so they hold on too long in fear of the future. Do you think part of that might be they don't know how to do it? You know, I mean, and that's one of the things I think so interesting about your book, Passing the Leadership Baton, is the fact that it, it's so fundamental as far as giving thoughts and ideas of what you experienced and how to make it smooth. And so I wonder if part of that is, you know, people, maybe they want to pass it sure. potentially, but they just don't well, know exactly how. Think about it. Most people's lifetime, they don't have to do this that often. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get good at something mm -hmm. that we don't do with regularity. Yeah, true. And so if That's you're so not true. doing mm -hmm. something with regularity, you never develop the skills. So you have to learn from other people. Mm -hmm. And what worked or didn't work and apply those skills to your own life. You know, Todd, that's one thing we've tried to cultivate in our culture of our organization is that this transition is a natural part of your leadership and a natural part of the organization as it grows. Any growing organization, you've got to create the transitions are kind of a natural thing within the organization. Right. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't become, even at the highest level, transition does not become then something strange for us, mm -hmm. uh, but we do it in a healthy way. And as Dr. Maxwell always said, which I think is a great statement, you never want to transition away from something. You want to transition into something. Mm -hmm. Even in our transition, I was gave a lot of thought to what am I going to do once I pass the baton 
to not only continue to strengthen and support the organization I've poured my life into 30 plus years, but what am I going to do to out there in in next challenge for mm. us? And I think we as leaders are always looking to the next challenge as well in our lives, next opportunities, where we're going to be able to add value, where we're going to find significance in our life, because we all want to move from success to significance. Mm-hmm. And transition oftentimes will position you to make that transition from success to significance, where you can begin to pour into even on a broader frame. So I think a lot of those issues have to do with that. I think the identity issue that Todd talked about, the ownership issue, when you've given birth to something, it's hard mm-hmm. to let go of that. And as parents, it's hard to let your kids <laughs> make that transition that mm-hmm. they need to make into their adult lives at times. And then in our world, a lot of guys haven't prepared financially for transition. Mm-hmm. And so they're not really prepared as they should be financially to embrace the next thing yeah. and to let go of where they are. So there's a sense of, of insecurity. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said too about normalizing change. I think that's really important for any organization that we normalize change, we normalize endings, seasons come, seasons go to everything. There's a beginning and and there's an end. And so we try to normalize that in our organization as well. As leaders, again, going back to it, leaders have to see the change that Mm -hmm. needs to be made. Mm -hmm. They have to prepare their people and prepare themselves for that change. And the truth is, any church, any organization, any business, if you get stuck, you're never going to move on to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. To, To reach a full potential, change isn't optional. It's in inevitable. Yeah. And so preparing your people for that inevitable reality. You know, I appreciate what Ford Motors has done recently because Ford Motors, you know, they brought in Allen from Boeing to come in there to the Ford world and stabilize Mm. them through all when all the other companies were really, you know, seeking bailouts and all the support. And Ford stabilized itself, reduced their, you know, reduced their brand down, got their brand strong, and he carried it through. And then a guy within the organization, Mark Fields, he had a chance Mm -hmm. to bail, but he stayed within the organization. Now he's the CEO of the organization and Ford is thriving. And I've kind of watched their transition, how they have created a culture that does exactly that, Todd. They, they embrace change. They've embraced the ability to transition well. And I think that's why Ford is thriving right now. I think that's why Delta Airlines mm-hmm. is thriving because they created that culture and they did a lot of interesting things to help their people transition. And then when they inquired Northwest Airlines and they had to blend two cultures together, mm. man, there was a lot of work, but they were so intentional in how they implemented the transitions of their organization. And that's why they're now so successful. Their people are so happy. And I tell you what, you wanted to actually fly on February 14th because when they're getting that kind of bonuses, you're going to get great (laughs) Everybody's happy. Let let me ask you this question because, you know, some organizations are in a place where maybe they've tried to transition and they, in that transition process, the leader that they had brought in was not quite the type of person they thought was correct. So maybe that kind of the old round uh, peg in a square hole or vice versa. And so now they're saying, okay, I got somebody here and he or she is okay, but you know, it's just not the right fit. You know, did the pants or somebody else's, you know, that type of thing. So is it kind of end game for them? What should these organizations do, you know, that are listening out there today to kind of say, okay, what do we do with that? How do we make that change and, and kind of kindly help that person exit, but then also move to the finding that right person. We know we've all been through that. Yeah. Uh, and hello, we're going to all be through it again in the future <laughs> because there are going to be times that we all will make hires or bring in positions or make transitions that simply don't match up to what we thought. Mm-hmm. And even though we are very intentional in our hiring because we want to put in all the effort on the front side, 
So we try to avoid these type of scenarios. But you still will find yourself where there's not that quite that fit. It could mm-hmm. be a chemistry fit. It could be uh, just the way they go about doing their things and your culture that's not quite there. That's why we're big on culture. We want them to fit the culture. And we've actually taken a lot of time to articulate the culture, to write, to be able to specifically address what our culture is so that when people are coming into team or being interviewed about the team, we can identify those things very specifically Mm. and help them understand this is how we do what we do and Mm -hmm. how we do what we do is just as important as what we do in the end, because if not, it will destroy the team and the leadership. Yeah, because we've had some very highly productive people in other organizations that we thought, man, they're going to bring so much, but they came Mm. in, they're highly productive, Mm -hmm. but they left a lot of wounded bodies uh, (laughs) behind us. And we said, that's not going to work in our environment. And so we had to make the tough call and, and let them go. And, and we're kind of open about that. When, when you have to make transitions, uh, we talk to our teams about the transition and we always respect the person. We try to always take the high road, do the most honorable thing, but we are going to protect our culture. Mm-hmm. We have to protect that culture and we want our key leaders to be DNA carriers of the culture. So that's how we kind and, of And one of the things we that. saw as we got bigger as an organization mm-hmm. is what was assumed that everybody knew, they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And when we were smaller, everybody knew it. Everybody mm-hmm. knew the language. As we grew, we realized we needed to define what actually makes us who we are. Mm-hmm. Then we need to be able to articulate it and write it down and get it on the wall so everybody, and then teach on it so they mm-hmm. understand the points of it. And then we are constantly putting it back into the water, constantly teaching and coaching so that they are constantly aware this is who we are. So we're not able to get down the road and be one degree off from that and find ourselves in a different land. So I think what I hear you say, and and Coach, you mentioned this a little bit as well, is the idea of, you know, if you have an organization right now, regardless of your size, I think I love the idea of preparing with the end in mind. You know, when you start, you should be able to see to some degree the finish. Now, often that finish changes as time moves along. You have to change and shift and adapt to culture. And and as you grow, maybe things happen faster than you thought they would, et cetera. But being in a situation, folks, if you're out there, if you own a company or a large business, whether it's a multi-billion dollar company or a couple hundred million or smaller, or you want to start a business, quite honestly, make sure that you're in a situation where you know why you exist, what your purpose is, what you're there to do, what your vision is, and be focused around that. Create your culture around that, I think is what I'm hearing you guys say. And by the way, if you're in a situation, folks, where you have a thought on the topic, you want to join the conversation, send us a tweet to at lean on the wall, join into the conversation again, at lean on the wall and uh, share any thoughts you may have, or if you've connected with Christ fellowship and seen some of the positive vibe as well. And some of the things they're doing, share those thoughts. But next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of priming your team for transition. But before we transition to that, we have a minute or two here left in this segment. And I think what I mentioned there before about having that clear, precise vision, is that something that you're always redoing? What does that look like, Coach? You- well, okay. Once again, I'm a football coach. I yep. have to keep things simple. Okay. <laughs> so I like a very clearly defined scoreboard. Mm. I want to know our down and distance. I want to know, are we winning? Are we not winning? How much time we got on the clock? So in other words, and I think that's what Todd was saying, mm. you need to have very clearly defined your sense of mission, your core values, and the things that you celebrate, the things that we reinforce constantly with our people. And when we see someone reflecting that, we celebrate them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's enough celebration in organizations mm-hmm. of, of your team. Mm-hmm. And we must understand, we understand this in our organization that our relationships drive our mission. Mm -hmm. So when relationships drive your mission, then you are trying to keep and cultivate healthy, dynamic relationships on your team 
and you are celebrating the people's lives that are reflecting the core values and the true culture of your organization, and then I think you have the right strength. It kind of gets back to, you know, the old good to great Jim Collins, you know, mm-hmm. get the right people on the bus and the right mm-hmm. seats on the bus, and the bus will get headed in the right direction. Right. <laughs> and and that's, kind of the, that's kind of the simplistic truth. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. when you get those right people there, right relationships are built and strengthened, celebrating your people and celebrating those core values that reflect your culture, then your organization is going to get headed in the right direction. Yeah, that's a great thought. So, folks, the point there is is looking at your situation and making sure you have the right people, celebrating people, as he mentioned. Really, really good stuff. Next segment, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about priming your team for transition. How do you do that? Preparing yourself. Obviously, Todd here has taken the reins of a pretty large organization. We're going to also talk later in the show about mindset of the new leader. You're not going to want to miss either of those segments. So hang around. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com and see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review. Call toll-free 866-943-2351-866-943-2351. This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, we're interviewing Dr. Tom Mullins and Dr. Todd Mullins, Coach and Todd, as they, they're called, and they are the founding and lead pastors of Christ Fellowship, huge church, really with campuses all over the place and connecting with people in over 135 countries in the world. Coach is actually also the uh, head of Equip, which is a division of Dr. John Maxwell, and just kind of helping people get better, if you will, in a lot of different ways. And we're talking about transition. This segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of priming your team for transition. What does that look like? Of course, uh, Coach had written the book called Passing the Leadership Baton, a winning transition plan for ministry. Now, this can be adopted and really transferred, if you will, into corporations, business, and all kinds of different things, because transition is transition. And and they're in a situation where they have over 8,000 volunteers, really more than that, based on some of the different places, spots, et cetera, that kind of help them on a regular basis, really impact people that are there. And again, at any point in time, if you want to join us in the conversation, reach out to us and send us a tweet at Lean on the Wall, again, at Lean on the Wall. And I love the idea of this, you know, when talking to transition, Todd, it's the idea of, you know, when you're talking about a church, when you have a business, you know, you kind of have a captive audience. You know, they're being paid from you. They're being paid by you. And if they're not happy with something, they kind of have to kind of suck it up because if they want to be able to continue to pay their bills, unless they go find another job, you know, they have to kind of suck it up. But when you're talking about a church, you have thousands of people that if the transition from Coach Tom to Todd is not done effectively, right, or smoothly, they don't have any loyalty, really, or liability. They can walk away at any time. They're down the street. Get out of here. Get get off the street, Jack. So now they're in a situation where they're staying. And not only have they stayed, but the church has grown and blossomed in that transition. Todd, talk to us a little bit about why that's important and how priming the team, as you watched your dad do that, tied into that process. Absolutely. I, you know, in this whole process, I think with any process of transition in any organization or business, 
communication is king. That mm. when you think you've communicated enough, you're just getting started. Mm. Uh, don't leave things up in the air. Don't think, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because you'll never get to it. You'll <laughs> avoid talking about it. You'll avoid making transitions or you burn the bridge up because of misunderstandings along the way. So I think really just open communication. So it started between my father and I. We started open communication so that things were not fuzzy or we weren't speaking in parables. We weren't speaking in myths and and we're just very clear. Here's what this could look like. What's the timeline look like? And then once we were on the same page, there was a clear communication to the team. And when I say team first, I mean the staff we had on team, our board members, they, we, they oversaw the entire thing and, and gave leadership to it. But then to our staff, we didn't make them guess what's going on. Mm. We didn't want them to wonder when or if or how's this going. We kept everything very much on the table. For Wasn't them. the closed door policy type situation. Absolutely, because that yeah. would only lead to more confusion mm-hmm. on the team. And so if the, mm-hmm. if the staff were feeling confused, then that was going to ripple down to all of the thousands of people in our church mm-hmm. about what's happening or what's going on between this. Is this transition happening or not happening? Also, the words we used, we were very clear on the words. Dad wasn't retiring. He was repositioning. Mm -hmm. So that brought a sense of stability to everyone as well, that he wasn't heading out the door somewhere. He was just going to take a different position on the team during this season. And so once our staff and our leaders were, then we began to go to the influencers. And dad, you did a great job of the men and women that had been influential in just helping to lead the church that you'd built relationships with for years. You spent a good amount of time I did. I, talking I with did. them. And, and I think it was important to let you, your key influencers of any of your organization and key supporters of your organization and businesses, those, those key stockholders of your organization, mm-hmm. understand the dynamic of everything, have the freedom to ask questions, And I think it's very important. The one thing, too, that we tried to do a good job of, Michael, was to make sure we communicated what was not going to change. Mm -hmm. Because everybody is concerned about what is going to change when there's transition and how does that impact me as Mm -hmm. an individual. Mm -hmm. So we tried to make that clear to all of our team and to all of our people on the inside and those that were out there supporting and loving us. And then we carried that, Todd, you did a great job of carrying that then to all of our key volunteers, which is an army of about eight to 10,000 conservatively people that actually make the organization run effectively and minister to the 50, 60, 70,000 that we're ministering to every week. And I think taking time to answer questions Mm -hmm. along the way. We learned Mm -hmm. that also, Dad, from your friend Ed Bastian at Delta. He would meet in smaller groups of two to 300. They've got 80,000 plus employees. He would gather in groups of two to 400 with the flight attendants and and all the mechanics and the pilots, answering questions, letting them know what's not changing, what is changing. And Mm -hmm. I think that communication in any organization, depending on regardless of how many employees you have or don't have, communicating clearly brings a sense of stability during any type of transition and change. You know, that's a great point. I really think that, you know, the idea of transitioning in a church sometimes can be a bigger shift than even a corporate organization. Because, you know, just as you guys mentioned, those eight to 10,000 people, I mean, as you you mentioned with Ed, you know, at Delta, obviously those are employees, they're getting paid and these people are volunteers. So now again, no ties, no connection, but they're staying plugged in. It's really, really important. So folks, if you're out there and you have a business and you're in a situation where you're saying, you know, how do I make this transition effective? First off, you got to get the right people around you if you don't. That's number one. Number two, you got to make sure that you're talking to your key people, your key influencers, your key group, your key core, you know, whatever you want to call that, whatever you call that in your culture, those people need to be on the same team. And I think, Coach, you mentioned a little bit about the idea of, 
you know, just how you present and how you do and, and how what's happening to me. And I think sometimes with people, they're so concerned about themselves that they can't see past themselves or through themselves to get to a place of, you know, really what's best for the overall organization, right? Exactly. And I think as leaders, that's what we have to consider. And I was considering in this transition, to be honest with you, Michael, I was thinking more about what is best for the organization and what is best for my successor. Hmm. When is the timing right for him and the Mm -hmm. timing right for the organization? Not about when the timing was right for me, Mm -hmm. because I felt like I had a lot of gas left in my tank. And I had a lot of energy. I had a lot of vitality. I still could see myself leading strong for the next five or 10 years beyond when I actually passed that baton. But that wasn't the issue for me. It was what was best for organization, what was best for my successor, and what was going to really take us to the next level. And let's get that leadership in place now, Mm -hmm. and let's prime it, let's empower them, and let's go. And so that's what motivated us to make our transition when we did. And that goes back to the transition zone, going back to the analogy of the exchange on the the race, that you've got this exchange zone. And within that zone, the baton has got to be passed Mm -hmm. so that the next runner can get out and get running where he needs to go. That runner's got to get up to speed, full Mm -hmm. speed, while the current runner is still running at full speed, not Mm -hmm. lagging behind or you lose the race. And so, Dad, you really did that well. You still had and still have years left in you of leadership and and vision and potential and, and gas to keep going. But it was while things were strong that you passed things off. And that's helped the whole organization keep moving forward. Yeah, I do a whole thing in the book, Michael, on you know the timing of transitions, mm-hmm. which are critical in any organization that we transition in the right timing of those and sensing that, understanding that dynamic and carrying that through. And I think seeing the greater mission of your organization, the greater purpose, and having people say, hey, this is going to help us fulfill our next chapter in our organization, and here's what we're going to be able to achieve because of that. And in turn, I think one great thing, Michael, that Todd did when we actually made the pass is that he did an excellent job of always, as we build for the future and cast vision for the future, Todd was always validating the past Mm. and the past sacrifices of Mm -hmm. the teams, Mm. the past leadership, the past accomplishments. And then we're going to this new phase. And if it hadn't been for what the people had invested in the past, we could not be doing what we're doing today and what we're reaching to do for tomorrow. And that's huge. You know, I think if a lot of times, and that's where I think a lot of times the baton is dropped. Because, you know, and I talk about this, you know, I have three different financial companies and I didn't walk into a scene where I went to work for a company and they said, here's $50 million to manage, go run with it. You know, we started at one brick, one client at a time. And I don't say it to be self-serving. I say that to say, from what you mentioned, I appreciate each client because I understand what it took to get there. And I think sometimes in the second and third generation, you know, one of the things that I heard initially that we talked about, and Todd, you'd mentioned this, is that you were at the church for 24 years before the transition. So you were in a situation where you didn't just walk into the church when it was, you know, seven campuses and all these people online and all these new stuff going on. You know, yeah. you were in a place where you saw it at a home and Very then it went small. Yeah, very small. And I was a part of every, I was the first janitor, the first secretary, (laughs) the first youth pastor, the first worship pastor. Mm. I was just able to jump in and serve wherever was needed. And by doing that, I had a great understanding of every, how, every part of how the, the ministry worked and could reach success. That's like the old school Mm -hmm. way of family businesses. You know, family grew up doing every aspect of the business. So when they finally got to that position, the CEO of the the company, they understood the role of everyone in the Mm -hmm. business. We don't necessarily have that same luxury today as we come in and transition into various uh, organizations. But I think there's great value to that. 
So here's a question. Somebody's out there right now and they're listening to this and they know that they want to transition. They know they want to prime their team. They want to you know, prep themselves, if you will. How do they know who to seek out for advice? What's, I mean, obviously getting this book initially is, you know, a great starting point. Again, even though it's, we're talking about a ministry, folks, this is a team. This is a transition. This is a big ship that they've transitioned effectively and smoothly. So if somebody's out there and they want to make this transition, what are some good steps, Coach, that you would recommend they can take to learn what they need to learn to make this happen effectively? Well, the great thing today is there's a lot of coaches out there that are willing to help coach you through transition. We have dear friends in the Wall family, and it was a Chuck Wall, a Freight Handlers International, they're one of the largest freight handlers in the country. I think they have, my goodness, a couple thousand employees. I mean, they're mm. a pretty large company based out of Carolinas, but they, they serve across the United States. And he transitioned to his son, Ryan, and through that transition, they actually hired a professional coach to come in and coach them in the transition. And I actually have a few quotes from Ryan in the book because I was interested in how that coach played a significant role for them. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned earlier, we, we were fortunate enough to have Dr. John Maxwell right in our own backyard, who's a part of our teaching team at our church, and, and John travels globally. And so I really consulted John a lot. I think one thing, being a coach, I always wanted to learn from other coaches. Mm -hmm. So I would always go to the guys that won the national championship, and mm -hmm. I'd say, okay, talk to me. I, I want to hear what made the difference. What took you from good to great? in mm -hmm. your field mm -hmm. and learn from those guys. So I would seek out also organizations that have transitioned well. Mm -hmm. And I would go and find time because most of those organizations who have transitioned well, they're more than willing to share their principles that they use to guide them through the transition process. So there are coaches out there, there are great organizations out there, and there's a great book out there called Passing the Leadership Baton. I've like, heard of that. You know, it's really that, uh, yeah, yeah. Really that's, I think there's a guy, Coach Tom Mullins wrote that. Yeah, but folks. Yeah, yeah, I know that guy well. Seriously, folks, it is a really good book. Just the thoughts inside, but Passing the Leadership Baton. You can get that probably where any, anywhere books are sold. And, you know, get that, start with that, make your notes, do your things, but be in a situation where you're intentional. I think that's part that's of the process, part, you know, right. making sure you're intentional in that transition, how, what it looks like. And I love the uh, thought from John Maxwell that says, you know, if you're in a situation where you're going somewhere and people aren't following you, you're a hiker, not a leader, yeah. you know, and sometimes in high level positions, you know, you can become deluded in your thinking because you've been at such a high level and in demand for so many years that you just think the way you want it to be is the way it should be. And I think sometimes being open to other people's advice, if your team is not following you or they're saying, you know, they're giving you resistance, that's probably a good thing to be aware of. We're going to talk next segment about the idea of what is that mindset of the new leader and the importance of being teachable and some of these things to really now seamlessly move into that effective transition. You're not going to want to miss that. Hang around. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to The Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. With the volatility in the markets, it can be scary to know the right solutions for managing and protecting your family's wealth. That's why Michael and his team at Wall Financial Group work exclusively with higher net worth clients to engineer portfolios that minimize risk and maximize potential. For more information, visit leanonthewall.com. And to see if you qualify for a Living Well Retirement Review, call toll-free 866-943-2351. That's 866-943-2351.
This is the Wealth and Health Show with Michael Wall. Welcome back in, folks, to the Wealth and Health Show. Again, I'm your host, Michael Wall, and we're joined again by Dr. Tom Mullins and Dr. Todd Mullins, coaches he's called, and Todd. And we're talking about transitioning. We're discussing Tom's new book, Passing the Leadership Baton, and the idea of how large organizations and large companies can really do it effectively and seamlessly. And we wanted to talk this segment about the idea of the mindset of the new leader. And what's really interesting is, Coach, you mentioned it last time, and that is the fact of, you know, don't transition out of something, but transition into something. And I know, Todd, obviously you were the one that the baton was passed to, right? So you were in a situation where you had to not only receive the baton, but receive it well and lead well, have the right mindset. What does that look like for you as you receive the baton and transition into Yeah, something? you don't want to drop the baton like they did in the <laughs> Olympics back in, uh, what yeah. year was that? Yeah, the, Beijing, uh, Beijing Olympics. Yeah. Put your wide receiver but, yeah. gloves on, yeah, right? Yeah, Get the extra sticky tack. People watch that over and over you again. You want yeah. the sticky hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, back before the transition even began, I heard someone once say that the hardest thing for a leader to do is not to build an organization. It's actually to relinquish the control of what they built. Hmm. And I stuck that back in my mind thinking, you know, one day when I am stepping up to take leadership, I wanted to understand that this wasn't mine to take. Mm. It was his to give. Mm -hmm. And so as the leader coming in, I was preparing myself to get ready, to be ready. So when the baton was put in my hands, I could run with it, but it wasn't mine to try to grab out of his hands. And so from that, it kept a spirit of hopefully patience, that mm -hmm. I had to develop a spirit of patience and in a, at the same time, a spirit of readiness. I had to grow myself up. I had to prepare myself to be ready to take this on. I went back to school. I made sure that my skill set was strong. I made sure I was ready to run the distance with this thing. So I was preparing myself all along the way. And dad, you mentioned back that realizing that what we've got today was built off of the past. I reference that a lot in our church. That does not, when I reference the past and reference the sacrifices made, that doesn't weaken my leadership currently or what mm. we're doing now. And in fact, I believe it really strengthens it. It yep. references the foundation that we've been built on. When you step into this leadership, it's not like you've got to prove yourself as a new leader. Mm. I would even say new leaders stepping in, we think, oh, I got to prove that they made the right choice. I need to be strong. I need to be determined. And instead, I would say, hey, stay teachable. Mm. Stay in a place mm -hmm. where you're listening and learning. Keep connection with the the one that just passed the baton to you. For me, it's been easy because he's my dad, but uh, <laughs> he's my mentor. Yeah. He's done this for years longer than I, I've never done this before. Mm. So I, I, I would encourage people stepping in to you know, give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. You've never been the CEO or the leader of this type of organization before, maybe this size before. You don't have to be a seven, eight, nine, or 10. Maybe you were mm. a 10 in the last position you were in, but you're stepping in. Give yourself permission to step back, keep learning, keep growing to become the leader you need. I, I think that's really important, Todd, what you just said there. There's a guy named David Stone who pastors one of the largest churches in America, Southeast Christian in Louisville, Kentucky. And he took over from a founder, and he had been with him quite a long time too. Now, it was not his father, but he took over from a founder. And in the first year, there was some transition. About a thousand people or so left the organization that he was uh, leading. He was so discouraged at the end of the first year because he had lost those thousand people. Mm. And he hadn't had much contact with the predecessor who had left before him. And then he finally got with him one day over a round of golf. And the guy said, wait a minute. Son, you're pastoring 17,000 people, one of the great churches in America, and you are doing great at this. And to only have lost a 1,000 people mm -hmm. is nothing considering how long I've been there and the transition and all that. Well, it gave him a whole different perspective. And then David turned around and started launching some new initiatives. Now the church has exploded way beyond what it ever was. 
And it was interesting, though, how he just had to have the right perspective about what to expect out of himself and the organization in that first year transition. Now, we were blessed where in our organization, Christ Fellowship, that actually the church exploded in growth in that year of transition. So Todd was able, we caught that wave at the right time. Todd led that wave. Mm. And Todd had already earned such credibility and trust among the people because new leaders coming in, that's your first element. You got to, people are looking and they're asking a question, can I trust them? But I realized even though I'd been there for a while and had been, dad, you give me a lot of room to run and kind of prove my own leadership skills. For a lot of people, the judgment was still out yet. Are they, am I yeah. going to am I going to like this new guy? Am <laughs> yeah. I going to like him? He loves leading? you day one. They're yeah, saying, I "What's going on here?" Yeah. You're my dad. You loved everything <laughs> from the beginning, but right. uh, but yeah. other people, you know, I realized for some people, they're still going to see him as the leader or see mm-hmm. him as their pastor because he's pastored them for right. decades, and that's okay. I'm mm-hmm. not going to stress out about that. I'm going to love and lead the people I'm called to lead. Lead well. Also, I would say, you know, it goes back to just earning trust and credibility with people. That takes time. Trust is earned over time and experience. You may be the leader in title, but you may not yet be the leader in position yet because mm. people have to put you there. Mm-hmm. And so giving yourself time, giving the people time. I would also say the mindset of the new leader is don't try to change everything all at once. Mm. Implement change slowly. Mm-hmm. If you're going to change something, figure out how to space it out. I think one of the mistakes I made was I tried to change too much too quickly. Yeah. And dad was saying, slow down, son, slow down. Don't try to change that much yet. And I, I listened to, I think most of it, but maybe a couple of times I ignored it and I paid for it. And, uh, <laughs> So I would say, man, just slow down. <laughs> take on the it, take your yeah. time. The bigger the ship, yeah. the longer it takes to, right. to make a turn. Well, and you know, that's a great point because it's the idea of, you know, again, that new leader wanting to say, hey, look at me. Hey, I've done a good job. Hey, I've, and, and if you can kind of, you know, hold back on that and say, you know, it's okay. You know, like you said, you've already been given the position. The reason you've been given that position is number one, prayer in your situation for sure. And number two, being in a situation where you know that, you know, this person is equipped. He is ready. He is, he or she is the type of person that needs to do that. And now the question that I had there, because you had both kind of talked a little bit on fallout and that happens sometimes. Sometimes in transition, and that's normal. So the question is, in transition, you know, how do you know how to spend time? How, let me say it this way: Who should you spend time with, and how much time should you spend? You know, some people they're just not going to change their mindset. You know, the old school. I remember I grew up in a small church in Pennsylvania, and when I grew up there initially, I mean, it was like there's no way we're putting drums on the stage. That's just not going to happen. Well, that's changed over time, and they're there, and it's all good. But you know, sometimes you're in a situation where whether it's that or whether it's whatever in business. You know, change is necessary. I love what Zig says. You know, change is stressful, but so is unemployment. You know, so (laughs) it's the idea of saying, okay, we need to be in a situation where we, we need to do change. But how do we effectively know how much time we should spend on those people and how much time we're saying, you know, I'm just not going to be able to turn their mentality? Well, you know, I think that's... uh... That's something you have to kind of sense with each person. I think it gets back, though, to being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, keeping your own heart motives in check and understanding why you're doing what you're doing is critical. And I think when people know that you are doing the right things for the right reasons, you do earn their credibility and their trust. Some people are hung up on styles. And I mean, there's a variety of leadership styles, a variety of leadership communication methods. But that kind of gets back to the whole principle thing. You know, when you build your life upon sound principles, you build your business upon sound principles, those are timeless. Principles Mm. are timeless things. And then I think the other thing is, You've got to celebrate even the small wins Mm -hmm. during the transition. Let's point to the small wins because so oftentimes we're looking back at the big wins of the past. But let's celebrate the wins of today 
And they may even be small in nature, but celebrate them because I think they're important. And one of mm-hmm. the things, Dad, you did so great, you became my biggest cheerleader mm. through the transition. And you think about, again, go back to the analogy of the relay race. When the runner passes the baton, that runner that just passed the baton doesn't go home and pack its bags. Mm-hmm. That runner usually runs along the side, cheering, keep going, keep running. Mm-hmm. Keep... And that's exactly what you did. And I would say for any leader that's transitioning out, continue to champion and celebrate the transition, the changes that are being made, because your voice speaks a different tone to the organization than mine does. And mm-hmm. another thing that I did, Michael, I went to all of our board members. I went to all of our key influencers. I went to all of our key donors of our organization. And I also, in that time of communicating the transition and the plans and fielding questions, I also challenged them with a common challenge. Here was the challenge. I want you to take the loyalty you have given me and to our organization, our church, and I want you to give that loyalty to Todd. Hmm. So I asked them yeah. to transfer their loyalty and their commitment and their service and their support to Todd. And I said, Trust me, if you will give yourself wholeheartedly to him for the next couple of years, you will see the dynamic of his leadership come forth, and it will be transformational for our church. And that was something you could ask that I would never ask right. or yeah. never could ask. Could right. ask, yeah, that's huge. So, because I had that relationship equity, you know, yeah, with that's them. right. So I could draw that out. I could draw that equity out. I could make a withdrawal, and they did. I mean, they committed. I mean, they all saw the potential in Todd. And I only had one. I only had one guy, and we call him Uncle Larry. He's a character, and he's very candid. <laughs> He'll tell you everything he thinks. He <laughs> everything he thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and open I remember, book. Uncle I remember Larry, you're probably listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was yeah, the only guy out of all the. And I met with a lot of people. He was the only mm-hmm. guy. Who said, "Well, I, Todd's great, great leader, great administrator, but he'll never carry the weekend. Mm-hmm. He'll just never carry the weekend." I said, "You give him a year, and you tell me how he's doing." Mm-hmm. He said, "Okay." So he came up to me about a year later. He well, he said, well, you're right. He said, he said the kid's a lot better than the old man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that that. That's funny. Well, you know, it's a great point. I don't know that we have time to cover this, but we're going to maybe we'll extend and have another show at some other point in time. Guys, a lot of good stuff here. But I want to thank you guys for joining us, Coach and Todd, just in sharing some of your thoughts here and some of what you've done in the process that is still even going on to this day. You know, there's constant change and change is inevitable. I mean, it's reality. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Honored to be here. Hey, thank you, Michael. Absolutely. And folks, if you missed any of the first segments or missed any of the show or the previous shows, go ahead and feel free to visit leanonthewall.com. Again, leanonthewall.com and just go ahead and click on the Wealth and Health Show. Also, if you want to join the conversation at any time, go ahead and send us a tweet to at leanonthewall and join the conversation. Give us your thoughts about the show, what you learned, what you'd like to do. And one last time, you got to pick it up. It's Passing the Leadership Baton, written by Coach Tom Mullins. You'll just see Tom Mullins if you search it, but Passing the Leadership Baton. But until next week, Here's to living well in any economy. We'll see you soon. Information provided during the Wealth and Health Show is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.